Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, it's the season of the in and out list. And our pal Jessica Sidman from Washingtonian is here to talk about her compilation on the DC food scene. Plus, CityCast's Julia Karen has some takes of her own on the city's culture. Today is Monday, January 8th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Jess. Awesome to see you again. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, Julia. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. Um, all right. So, Jess, you uh, uh, do this every year. What's in, what's out in the world you cover, which is the DC food scene. I'm going to read some highlights of this. Out. Happy hour. In. Late night. Out. Yelping about service. In. Yelping about service. Fees. Out. Swimming pool bar. In. Hot tub bar. <laughs> out. The burbs. In the burbs. The burbs. Let's go. Um, what was the hardest one of these for you to, to write? Well, I'll say the most controversial of them was the out happy hour in late night. All right, can you explain terms yes. for yeah. someone who goes to bed early? Yeah. Okay. So I think obviously happy hour is just this sacred cultural institution in D.C., right? But, you know, the truth of the matter is everything has gotten so expensive and so many people are still working from home that I just don't think happy hour is what it used to be. You know, it's harder to find amazing deals that you used to find everywhere. You really have to seek them out. And I just don't think it's quite as popular. So I kind of see happy hour on the decline in D.C., Meanwhile, late night, you know, pretty much disappeared completely during the pandemic, but it is making a comeback. I think it's on the upswing. There are a number of places that have opened recently that are, you know, serving food and drinks late, places like Grazia Mille, uh, which is an offshoot of Grazia Nona. Italian American place. There is Surreal from the Seven Reasons Group near the Amazon HQ2. Uh, Treehouse, which is kind of a you know clubby bar nightlife destination in Union Market area. And then you know there are more also on the horizon that are going to open this year. So I see the energy going to late night and being sucked away from happy hour. Wait a minute, what hours are we talking about when we say late yeah. night? Okay. What are the rules in terms of I what, mean, what time you can stay open and keep serving food? It depends on the day of the week, right? And it obviously depends on the place, but like places that are going to be open 2 to 3 a.m. on weekends and, you know, maybe midnight or maybe even like 11 p.m. Like if you're serving 
food at 11 p.m. on a weekday. Like that's, I would say that's late night for DC. Um, but, you know, I think uh, DC obviously has a reputation as a early to bed town. And slowly, I think we're starting to see a little bit later nights. I don't think it, they're quite like New York late nights, but late for DC. How about that? Fair enough. As a night owl, I appreciate this trend because like in college, I was one of those people that had late night at like midnight, 1 a.m. You go, you grab your personal pizza and you go straight home. Do people agree with you on this? Do they think like late night is like in now? Well, the interesting, I didn't explain any of them on the list, right? I think it's (laughs) kind of fun to just like throw them out and then people debate them. So I think a lot of people were like, you hate happy hour. I don't hate happy hour. I love happy hour. (laughs) Um, Please, if you like happy hour, go to happy hour. Um, But you know, Sydney had kids and moved to the suburbs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like, uh, personally, I'm go I'm I'm going to bed. I'm asleep by 11 p.m. You know, like that trend's not for me. But you know, my job is talking to people in the industry. You know, charting what's coming, uh, what's happening, and I'm just seeing a lot more action in the late night space. Wait, so you had said one of the reasons the happy hour was declining was like people are working from home, but also things are so expensive, mm-hmm. and happy hour obviously got its name because it was supposed to be a time when you got some bargains that you couldn't get uh, later. Uh, are there places that are giving you some sort of economic reason to eat late night? Yeah, I will say as part of this trend, I think late night happy hour is definitely um, going to be a thing. So the one I just saw literally yesterday was I think Ted's Bulletin is doing um, a late night happy hour they just introduced. You, you will, I mean, Happy hour is not disappearing. Okay, let's be real. But I think as that late night expands, definitely late night happy hour will be part of it. Here's another one that caught our attention, which is you write out 14th Street in Union Market District. Defend this. I was going to say. So, I mean, I've been writing about the restaurant scene for a long time. And for many of those years... 14th Street was just synonymous with DC's dining renaissance. And, you know, the fact is a lot of the places that kind of built up that buzz initially have just disappeared. And instead, you know, the rents are so, so high that the only businesses that can afford to go in there are, you know, these big chains or these well-funded out-of-town groups, and I think it's kind of sucking away a little bit of that local character that it had initially. So 14th Street to me, obviously, there's still a lot of great places to eat and drink, but it feels kind of stagnant to me, whereas I said Union Market is, the Union Market District is, is in. I think if you just look at all the hottest openings that are coming in 2024, the highest concentration are going to be in that Union Market area. You know, all these also, you know, all these food halls have still been opening, but Union Market to me is still the best of all of them. And there's new stuff coming in there. There's just a lot of action still happening in Union Market. But here's what's interesting, though, that 14th Street is in walking distance of huge numbers of residential areas, which is like a good thing. If you're serving food, you'll have some amount of people who are just sort of lazily walking along and are going to go out to eat. Is there now enough critical mass of residents in walking distance of the restaurants around Union Market to make it worthwhile to open there? Or, or are the people 
who you'll encounter largely people who drove in or Ubered in or, or metroed in from someplace else? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is becoming definitely a destination, but, you know, it's close to the whole H Street neighborhood, Capitol Hill, Noma. They built all these condo and apartment buildings there as well. So I think it does have that going for it. So one of the things that caught my eye in this list, out swimming pool bar, which I did <laughs> not even know existed. Where is this swimming pool bar? And in hot Tub bar? Please explain. I need to know what's going on here. Yes. Yeah. So there was this huge bar that opened early last year. or Actually, it might have opened at the end of 2022 called Royal Sands Social Club. When you walk in, it looks like a swimming pool. Like it's got the blue tiles on the floor and you kind of go down these steps with the, you know, pool rail and it looks like you're in a pool and there are palm trees and hand kits with, you know, the beach umbrellas and just very immersive thematic swimming pool bar. Uh, The guy who, one of the, one of the owners is originally from Florida. So I've had a kind of a funny headline of Florida man opens DC bar that looks like a swimming pool. So that I think that was, you know, kind of an opening that got a lot of attention early last year. Recently, there was a pop up, which is still ongoing at Hook Hall uh, in Parkview, which is kind of a big drinks garden. And they brought in an actual hot tub and you can rent it's has its own cabana that you can rent out. And so you can basically sit in a hot tub on Georgia Avenue. Oh my God. Okay. CityCast listeners, if you want us to do this for science, please tell us because I will sacrifice my dignity to be in this hot tub and drink on the job. Let's do it. I'm game. game. I will say the hot tub cabana, you can rent it out for two hours for a group of up to eight people. It is Three hundred dollars, though, for that Ooh. time. So okay, okay, prepared. Good to know. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet: Avida's Return which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. You also wrote about the suburbs, which is sort of a perennial subject in D.C. dining conversation. About 80% of the region lives in the suburbs. It is where a lot of immigrants go directly and open places to eat. But it's also a place which has, you know, always been considered by foodies. Like, you know, it's not where the hottest stuff often has been. You said out the burbs with two question marks and in the burbs with two exclamation points. I don't know if this is connected to the boom at National Landing or as a broader thing, but can you explain this? 
Right, right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you've lived in D.C. at any point, you know the joke of like not wanting to cross the river. If you date someone across the river, that's like a long distance relationship. (laughs) I think there are a couple things happening. One, the business climate in D.C. is becoming very difficult for a lot of restaurant owners, you know, Initiative 82, uh, which we've talked about in the past, which is totally changing the business model for restaurants, is not particularly popular among restaurant owners. And so that's the just for the uninitiated, that is the measure that gets rid of the so called tipped minimum wage and requires that restaurants pay servers the actual minimum wage, at least. Right, right. So I think you're seeing a lot of business owners looking to expand or open in the suburbs instead of in D.C. There's also kind of more recently the whole crime angle. I mean, to be honest, that's something almost every restaurant owner brings up when I talk to them these days. So Can I ask I think, about that, though? Yeah. You know, you, you said on your list there was a out closures citing COVID, in closures citing crime. But as you know, like restaurants just close a lot. It's an easy come, easy go industry with thin margins. Do you think that crime actually is causing closures or is it just the kind of current annoying thing that people who are in this volatile industry have to deal with? I don't think it's 100% responsible for some of the closures um, that we've seen. You know, there have been a number lately that have cited uh, crime as one factor. So I think if you're already having issues and then you're hearing from regulars that maybe they don't feel safe coming to your neighborhood or your staff doesn't feel safe, you know, going home at the end of their shift, that those are all kind of mixed together with other, you know, economic factors that are happening. It is one of those things that's kind of difficult to quantify exactly. And I am also, you know, always hesitant to sensationalize it. You know, I still think it's very, it's very safe to eat out in DC. You know, these these are still isolated incidents, but I think it's undeniable that people just don't feel as safe in the city anymore. And, you know, we see it constantly in in headlines and on social media. I just, I don't remember a time when it was such a large part of the conversation. All right. So you cited a couple of, of things that might be driving restaurants out of DC, but talk about like where things are actually happening that are exciting to you in the suburbs. What suburbs are booming? Where sh- What should people check yeah. out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, there's been the big headlines lately about the sports teams moving to Alexandria from D.C., Capital One Arena. You also have all the development that's happening around the Amazon HQ2. A bunch of restaurants are opening there, and they just opened this place called the Water Park, which is kind of an outdoor pavilion with all of these different eateries. I think you're still seeing a lot of things happening over in Tyson's. June, a Persian restaurant, I think is was you know one of the hottest new restaurants of 2023. And 
just more recently, Omateo, which is a Tex-Mex place with a Top Chef winner. It's over there. So I just don't remember a time when there were so many buzzy openings happening in the suburbs. You know, almost always those kinds of openings are reserved for D.C., also, you know, Falls Church, the team behind Rooster and Owl, which has a Michelin star on 14th Street. They have a more casual place, Ellie, that was named one of New York Times' best restaurants. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of excitement happening in the suburbs, I think. All right, wait, so just stick around because I want you to let me know what you think about Julia and other folks from Team CityCast have some addenda to the list that go a little bit beyond restaurants. Juliet, what are your own personal ins and outs? Okay, so this dovetails nicely with uh, Jessica's recommendation that more stuff is happening in the burbs. And this might be a controversial yet brave statement, but I would say out is dating in your neighborhood and in (laughs) is dating anyone with any distance at all from where you live. I understand that like dating people who live close to you is like, it's a convenience factor thing, right? But- I would argue that going a little outside of your comfort zone, maybe going to the burbs, go four stops on the metro, which maybe takes you outside your neighborhood. I feel like that will help immensely. And also you might get to try some of these new restaurants in the burbs that Jessica mentioned. What's not to like about that? Wait, Julia, is this a thing or is this just something that you think would be a good change for people to make? I think it's a general change for people to make. I Listen, it might not be an in for most people, but it's an in for me generally. I think it should be an in for the population of D.C. I think we get holed up in our own like five block radius and we're scared to go beyond it. I've had friends who won't date outside of like three blocks. And I'm like, guys, you got to move around a little bit. Use those legs. I believe in you. I believe. You also had some thoughts about bars. I do. I would say out, watching the dudes teams at the bar, in, Watching the women's teams at the bar. Michael, you're a you're a whiz fan, know a bunch of their stats. They are historically horrendous this year. Jessica, I don't know if there's been any rumblings of like a women's sports bar, but I know I've seen it be successful in Portland. Is there anything that we should be gearing up for? Or should this be like an investment opportunity for someone in the DC metro area who's feeling bold? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I haven't heard anything about that happening, but I'd love to see it. For anyone listening, great idea. Yeah. I will be out there. I would be there every weekend, straight up. All right, so this is more like an aspirational in-out list. Yes. For what we'd like to, what okay. you'd like us to do. It is. It's, you know what? New Year's resolutions come and go. Here are some resolutions for the city, for people around. That's my personal resolution in-out list. Kayla, who writes our newsletter, Hey DC, I feel like this is particularly pointed at me, Kayla, out electric scooters in Capital Bike Share e-bikes, or you can own your own and get that sweet rebate money. I personally own an electric scooter. I think it's the best like money I have invested in the city. It's good for those like little two, three mile bits where it's like, I don't quite want to walk, but like public transportation is going to be slow and take like 30 minutes. I do agree that generally any electric movement or bipedal anything is probably good. Apparently, DC has one of the cheapest e-bike rates in the country. So what do we think about this, guys? Any of you own an e-bike or a scooter or anything electric? Ooh, I'm the wrong person to ask because <laughs> I don't do either. I have an immersion blender. It's electric. <laughs> there you go. Take that, for a, take that for a spin on Connecticut Avenue. Let's see how it goes. 
But yeah, no, I, I do. I do like this. I do think that an e-bike, even even a scooter, anything that's faster, maybe a little less dangerous is is a big plus. Another one that Kayla had was out buying new clothes at the Pentagon City Mall and in the clothing swaps at Malcolm X Park. But have either of you done these and had success or failures or anything like that? I feel like the Pentagon City Mall is just like there, you know? I'm an online shopper. I, Mm. you know, having two kids, it's hard to actually go shopping in an actual place. But I did see photos of that clothes exchange and it looked epic. There were so many people and so much clothes. It looked it looked really cool. I will say that our senior executive producer, Priyanka Tilve, who is also, I should add, remarkably well-dressed, yes. uh, says she got like four new items at the last clothing swap and had a lot of fun, too. Okay, update. Apparently, that's the place to go. I need to bring some stuff I don't really wear all that often, trade it in, get something refreshed. Priyanka also mentioned one that I would be a big fan of. She says, out, movies at home and in. Movies at theaters. I do miss going to a theater and a big screen and having all that large Dolby Atmos sound just like surrounding you and seeing it in a theater with all these other people. Uh, What do you guys think? Obviously, we're in an age of streaming where everything's accessible with just like a click of a button. I haven't been to a movie theater in so, so long, literal years, (laughs) but I would love to if I had time. I mean, I think it's like the kind of fall and, and reassembly of nightlife is the sort of meta theme here. If the patterns of doing things like going to happy hour have been interrupted, obviously the pattern of going to movie theaters has been interrupted. But it's a, I mean, just as a like sort of anchor for a night of things, you know, being in your city, being with a community of people who are at least watching the same thing as you at the same time, I think that's something people really miss and are trying to reassemble it in some form. We're just not quite sure what the form's going to look like. Apparently it involves late, late night dining. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do think, you know, some a lot of the newer theaters are also bars, right? Mm. You can have a cocktail or even a meal at some of them while watching a movie. So, you know, I think that they could take advantage of the nightlife trend. Wait, Jess, can I go back to your list for a second? Because there is a, there was a fun thing in there that I was I was baffled by part of it, which you wrote okay. out thinking about the Roman Empire in thinking about Roman pastas. <laughs> Did you spend significant amounts of time thinking about the Roman Empire? No, obviously that's just a guy thing, right? Yeah. But I yeah. didn't think about the Roman Empire once. <laughs> you might be the only man who didn't think about the Roman Empire. No, but that that one was a nod to a restaurant that's opening in Bethesda called Aventino from the people behind the Red Hen and All Purpose, and it's going to focus on Roman cuisine. Listen, any excuse to fill my body with cacio e pepe, I will find it. I'm a big fan of Roman pastas. I will spend significant time thinking about future Roman pastas, so I am excited. As a sophisticate who likes to eat, am I supposed to know the regional differences between my pastas? No, you don't have to know the difference. You just have to know whether it tastes good or not. But, but you said uh, that Ian is know. thinking about Roman pastas, so clearly not thinking about like Milanese or pastas <laughs> or Nepo- Neapolitan pastas. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, only because this, re- this particular restaurant is 
specifically focused on Roman cuisine. And I think it's going to be, again, another very popular restaurant of 2024 when it opens. So you, you don't have to think about the fact that it's specifically Roman. You could just think about the fact that it is Italian and hopefully delicious pasta. Um, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to you taking me out there. 100%. Looking forward to it. Oh, awesome. Thanks for being here. And Julia, awesome to see you. Thanks, Mike. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell someone about it, perhaps over a late night meal instead of a happy hour. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.